Okay, if you have been with us, um, today is going to be a really unusual kind of day, and I've, I've debated for a month on how to do this. Um, basically, what I want to do, I want to tell you a story, a Bible story first. I want to learn a couple of things from it, and then I want to take you through a little bit of history and what God has done in this church. And then after that, I went, whoa, is that, are you guys, we good? Okay, we're good. Um, and then after that, I kind of want to tell you where we are and see kind of as a church if we can figure out, um, with your help, maybe where God wants us to go next and what God wants to do here uh, next. Uh, the story is told in two places in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 12 and in Hebrews chapter 11, so both the Old and the New Testament. Um, let me read the Old Testament story and then we'll go back to the, or New Testament and then we'll go back to the Old Testament. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. Here's what it says. By faith, Abraham, when he called to go to a place, would later receive it as his inheritance. He obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Um, It... In Hebrews chapter 11, which is a great faith chapter of the Bible, it, it references the idea of Abraham, and many of us know Abraham is the father of faith. And it talks about this story. Um, fast forward in the story, here's, what, here's what's unique about this story. God promised Abraham that he would live in this land. Abraham lived his entire life in this land and never owned a piece of property. When his wife died, he purchased a piece of property in the promised land. And that was the only property that he owned in that entire land was his cemetery plot. Um, God later, through Abraham, fulfilled that promise. And we know that land today is Israel. And you have watched throughout world history over this small little bitty plot of land on which all of world history has revolved around and even does even to this day. So... It's, it's a unique story. It's one of the first stories that we have of, of real genuine faith in the Bible. And so there's a lot of ideas when I use the term faith because we're a non-denominational church. Everybody has all kinds of crazy ideas sometimes. Um, we're not a name it and claim it kind of place. Um, I would love that, that to be true in the Bible. Um, that would be cool. But I don't see God as a genie in a bottle kind of thing. Um, and as you look at the story in Genesis chapter 12, you really see what faith looked like. And so I want us to understand it a little bit and then kind of apply it to where we are right now. Genesis chapter 12, here's the story. And the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who cur- bless you, curse those who curse you. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. By the way, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but let me say this. This was a promise made back in Genesis chapter 12. It is still honored by God today. Okay? There's something to be said for going against the nation of Israel. Okay? Um, This is a promise that is sourced in Genesis chapter 12. Notice what he goes on to say. So Abraham left, as the Lord told him, a lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 
He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. We'll go on with the story, and then we'll look at a map so you can see this. Um, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Now, this is a guy who didn't have children yet. That was to come. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the right. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. Then he set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Of course you have that story and then he comes back to this land. Uh, let me show you a map. Let me show you. Okay. Let me show you a map. Abraham was born in, an, in a little town called Ur. That's right here. When we read this story in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is up here at Haran. That's where he's living now. When God tells Abraham to go, and he says, I want you to go, he goes, go to that next slide, guys. He goes from here all the way down to here. Now, this is where he was born. This is where he's living. What you need to understand about this story is that God just tells him to go and start walking. So Abraham's got to basically take everything that he's got. He's got to go to his friends and say, I'm leaving. And they say, well, where are you going? And he goes, don't know. God just told me to start going south. And he goes until God tells him to stop. And when you think about the impact of that in a culture like this, that's a big move. Because it's like, don't you have a lot of questions? I mean, if God told you, all right, if God, now, those of you who are snowbirds, be careful here. If God told you to go south, right, that's, this is a bad time of the year to use this as an analogy. How about this? If God told you to go south all the way down to the tip of South America, And he said, I want you to go south until I tell you to stop. And you get down around Texas and you go, hey, God. <laughs> he goes, keep going. And you get down to Mexico and you're like, okay, God, I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to keep right on going. And then you go through the jungles and you're going, you know, they're not too hospitable here. And you keep going. Well, basically what you need to understand is for this was about as south as they knew from Haran. And then a famine comes in the land. I mean, think about that. You get parked where God wants you to be parked, and then all of a sudden it gets really, really hard. So you go further south for a while, and then you go back. Here's the thing. When we talk about Abraham's faith, what we need to understand is that it wasn't like God said, Abraham, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, and this is when I'm going to do it, and this is what you need to do, and these are the 15 steps. Now, we, that's what we want from God, isn't it? Isn't that what we want? Okay, God, you just plan out the rest of my life. Tell it to me, and we'll deal with it and see if I can handle it. And it don't work like that, folks. Those of you who have been Christians for a while, you know this is, this is literally a walking journey, and you don't know. And in all honesty, I, I've come to the conclusion in my life you don't want to know. 
Because I'm telling you right now, at 18 years old, if God would look at me and said, okay, here's the plan. When you're 50, you're going to be in Holly Springs. <laughs> what it said, uh, is there like another God? Can I sign up for another program? Um, is there a plan B? What's option C? And I would have wanted to negotiate with God. But he knew best. Couldn't be happier. But at 18, I wasn't ready for him to tell me all that. But step by step, growing, journeying, it got me to where I am today. And now, I, everything that I wanted at 18, I now have. But I had a whole different way to get to what I wanted. But God had a different plan. Now, I say that because it's important for us to understand when we talk about faith, when we talk about walking with God, we're not talking about God lays it all out in front of us and then we just get to pick and choose if we want to go down that road. God says, you pick and choose whether you're going to follow me first, and I'll lead you along the way. And I'll tell you where to stop, and I'll tell you when to go next, and I'll, 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 I'll through situations and circumstances and people and, 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 and things like that, I will, I will work and do my thing, but I need you to be sensitive to respond the right way when those things come. And that's the way it works. Now, I have practiced this message and I can't get it past 45 minutes, no matter how hard I try. So I'm going to try. Don't get nervous. I've already started. So I'm going to try, and the only way I think I can do this is to do something I don't ever do, and that's to try to stick to notes. So here we go. Um, this Let's go through a little history of what we've seen God do, okay? Uh, when this church started, throw up that first picture here. Um, some of you... I've never seen this building. How many of you never, ever went into this building? You've never had a service in this building. Okay, those of you who look around, okay, and that's going to become important in a minute. All right, let me tell you about this place. This was an old church of Christ built a long, long time ago. It had closed back in 1990. A group of people started wanting to, they had had become focused on the idea of reaching their community for Jesus Christ. They had gone through a lot of things to try to um, find a place for that. They wanted something very local. They had a number of things that had happened to, to get to that event. But basically, a group of them met one night in this building that somebody said, nobody's using it, we'll give it to you as long as it'll be a church. And I think they had, did they have money in an account too? No. Okay, no, okay. That's pretty clear on that one, aren't we? But anyway, they, they, had, they had a building. Nobody knew how they were going to heat it. Nobody knew anything about a church. They got together and basically said, and it came down to ultimately the conversation kind of pivoted on what a couple people said, but one of the things that was said was somebody become a new Christian very, very quick, early, like two weeks before this meeting. And they simply brought up the point. They said, look, I don't know anything about a church. All I know is this, if God saved me, surely he can heat and light a building. So they decided to go ahead and do a church thing. Nobody knew anything about it. They knew a couple of things they didn't want. They knew a couple of things that were important. So they started getting, they had help from another pastor who kind of basically helped get people down here to preach because nobody really wanted to preach. So they would, so for a long time, this was back in 1991, 90, 90, 91. 
uh, they, would, they would have different speakers come in every week and preach. Uh, and that's the way the thing, so they started out, a small group of people, I think there was like 40 people, something like that, in the first service. And uh, that's kind of how the thing started. Um, long story short, I was one of those guys who came in once and filled pulpit. Um, I had been in ministry for a long, I'd been in ministry at that point, um, about nine years. I was very, very young. Got that picture? Oh, no. Oh, these are the kids. These are some of the kids. They actually helped come up with a name for the church, by the way. Thought I'd show you that. Go ahead. Go to the next one. The next one. Oh, that was another one. Okay, go to the next one. I don't remember what I put. Oh, this is the way it looked like on the inside, by the way. Do, do we know any of these people? Where's Earl? That's Earl? Huh? Who's that? That's Dan? Okay. There you go. That's the way it used to be. And copies of this will be on sale afterwards. Uh, no. That's what it used to look like inside. So uh, going on. Uh, next one. Okay. When we came, this was us. I had more hair and was skinnier. Uh, Josh was six, six months old when we first came. Through a series of events, basically the church started. They decided, it took them a while to decide whether or not they wanted a pastor on a more permanent, semi-part-time kind of basis. It took me a while to decide if I wanted that. So I started filling pulpit for them on a more regular basis. Uh, there's still some debate. What was I getting? Like $75 a week. Uh, the job that I had left, I was making $28,000 a year. Now I was making $75 a week. You do the math. And I was working part-time. And uh, I, uh, it was hard, but through a series of events, we really believed that God wanted us here. So we decided that this is where God wanted us, and so we decided to make more of a commitment to this place. For a long time, I was bivocational. What that means is that I would work part-time with the church and part-time someplace else. So uh, I, personally, I love that. Um, it kept me tethered. But as the church started to grow, we started to come up with issues that um, it was just taking more and more time. And so after a series of events, I ended up coming on a more permanent basis. And they did raise my wage at that point. Uh, that's, that's what happened. That's, that's what got us here. I knew nothing about country ministry, rural ministry. I knew nothing about living in the country. I used to make fun of people who lived in the country. Uh, in fact, one, on Facebook, I'm friends with somebody who I used to make the most fun of. And their comment to me now is, this is so much fun watching you go through this. Uh, I used to make fun of them because I honestly, I, I thought grass was overrated. I thought every yard should be black top and painted green. Why mow? Uh, that was my attitude, and now, you know, I, I mow almost three acres. Uh, so it, it, it's been a, a unique change for us. What happened in the process was there was a flood in Holly Springs, and there was a government buyout program. 
So now the church was faced with a pretty big dilemma. Uh, you got the next picture? Uh, I think there's, is there one in the basement? Yeah. Our old, the old church sat back by a creek, so when the water level went up, even in non-flood times, uh, we had a, our restroom was in the basement. So once the creek got so high, the water table was even with the basement, so we couldn't use the toilets. So when you would come to church, there would be a sign <laughs> that would say, you know, restrooms out of use. Uh, I don't know how we did it. I look back on that and thinking, how in the world? Huh? Oh, yeah, we went, yeah. Lynn and Cheryl lived down the road, so a lot, some people would go down there to go to the restroom. We didn't go through near the coffee we go through now. Uh, but anyway... So what happened was in the government buyout, the government came to, the government came to us and said, we got three options. You're now in a floodplain. If it ever floods again, you're under these zoning regulations and you can only add so much more to the church. Second option they gave us was you can pick the building up and move it. We'll give you some money for the land. Our third option was that we will buy your building and you just walk away scot-free. And so, we are a board-run church. What that means is a group of guys make the decisions for the church, but we're smart enough to figure out that if the church isn't on board, it doesn't matter what those people say. So we functioned and have since that point really in a congregational type deal on big deals. So what we started doing was we went to the congregation. We said, these are our three options. We explained it all. We answered all the questions. We handed out ballots and little pieces of paper, and we said, tell us which one of these three you think we should do. And unanimously, everybody said, let's walk away. Uh, this was 1997, 98, huh? 96. Well, but we actually got the buyout. It was like 97, 98, something like that. Uh, so we went back to the church and we said, okay, here's what we can do. If we take the buyout, it's $52,000. We can build a building this size, which was the same size as our church. We said, we could probably, if we do all the work ourselves, just buy materials, we can do it ourselves. And then we said we can do a 40 by 60 or 50, 40 by 50 by 60 building. We go a little bit bigger. We can finish some of the auditorium, but nothing else. Or we can buy a 50 by 100 building, which is the size of this building. We got enough money to pour the slab, to put up the walls. That's it. And then the rest of it would just be as God provides it. Uh, again, we had a meeting. Everybody talked about it. Um, I, I, to this day, I remember Bob. Uh, Bob Morris, Lois's husband, before he went to be with the Lord. I remember Bob, and you have to know Bob, but Bob summed it all up for me. He goes, Preacher, said, I don't know anything about building a church. I just know this. I ain't never built a shed too big. And I thought, you know, that's probably a pretty good philosophy. I really understand that now that I've built a shed. Uh, but, uh, you know, we took a vote and handed out a piece of paper, and everybody decided unanimously, let's build the building and see what God's going to do. Now, there's only one problem. We didn't have any place to build. And we knew God wanted us just across the road from where we were. We had prayed about it. We had claimed it. We had said that's our, ours. But every time we went to the owners, they said, no, I'm not interested in selling it. And it was like, well, you need to listen to God. And they were like, no. Uh, and, and it didn't happen. Uh, Jim Beam's mom... Uh, who had had an early history in the Church of Christ thing, uh, didn't go to church here, but wanted to help. So she gave us the three acres of land right here. She said, you can build it up there. Now, here's the only problem. This is what it looked like. 
Uh, let's see. You got a picture of that one? Yeah. Okay, this is the corner. The church sits right where this hill is right now. And at the time, the county was doing a whole bunch of stuff and tearing down hills and trying to make it easier for snow stuff. And we went to them. We said, hey, you guys want our dirt? And they said, no, we don't want your dirt. So we submitted the building plans on top of this. We really did. And then they called us and said, hey, we do want your dirt. Because they knew once we built a building up there, that thing was never coming down. So the county took and moved all our dirt for free and used it down here. So then we ended up with a level building spot and uh, through a series of things. So then we started working on it, and we did all the work ourselves. We made a commitment that we were going to do this, and we were just going to do the material. We made a commitment that this wasn't going to be about money. So we have never, I've never written a fundraising letter in my life since I've been here, and I don't ever want to. Um, you will, you will, you will, when I'm dead, if you want to hold my hand and write one, it might happen. Uh, but that, I mean, I just don't, it's not me. It's not what I believe in. It's not what I do. We didn't do that. We literally told everybody, as God provides the money, we will do it. We never, we ran money the same way we run money now. We just, if, if the money was there, we did it. And if it wasn't, we didn't. Unfortunately, we never ran out of money. And you need to know, we were praying to run out of money. We were so exhausted. We would sit in board meetings and we'd say, okay, guys, you know, hey, look, we've spent all of our money and we don't have any more money to spend on a building. And then somebody, then somebody would go, oh, no, I called the bank today or the bank called me today and said somebody put $2,000 in our account. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, guys, where are we going? Oh, we need trim. Okay, we'll go buy $2,000 worth of trim. That's how the whole thing happened. That's how we watched God do it. We had guys sell grain and put it in the church's name. We had, we had all kinds of goofy things. Um, we watched God work over and over and over and over again. Um, the only thing in this church that we hired done, now recently we hired the ceiling done just because we're old, but the only thing that we hired done here was uh, we hired the well, the well dug. We dropped the pipe and did all the stuff. And we hired the insulation because he could do it cheaper than we could. Other than that, people in this church put every nail in this thing, every, everything you see done, we did. Um, and it was good. And it was bad. <laughs> uh, we learned to work together. Um, we learned to apologize. We, we learned to get along with stuff. We watched God work over and over and over again. Um, I can go through, um, go to the next, I don't even know what slide I got next. Yeah, this was pouring the floor that you're sitting on now. Uh, we did that uh, going on. Uh, let's see, go to the next one, guys. What's the next one? Oh, the steeple. Youth for Christ bought a church in Sioux City. Said, we're going to use it for Youth for Christ. We don't want our steeple. We're going to tear it off. Do you want it? We got Somebody called us and said, hey, I heard they're getting rid of a steeple. Do you want it? And, of course, we said, sure. I would have never paid for a steeple. By the way, that steeple would have cost us about six to eight grand. It's a fiberglass steeple. I would have never, you could have never convinced me to put a steeple on this building. I didn't think they were important. Well, the second we put a steeple on it, people didn't think of it as a machine shed anymore. But we put a steeple on it. Um, when you buy a steeple, by the way, that's fiberglass, guess what? It's designed and built for a certain pitch on a roof. Just so happens, by luck, right, that that steeple was built for a 412 pitch was exactly what we had on this roof. 
all we had to do was put a couple notches for the thing, dropped it right up on there, bolted it down, and, 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 and it worked. We didn't have enough money for windows. We, we Literally, I had like $2,000. I went to a Pella auction, bought all of the windows that I thought I could buy for $2,000. I really wanted this door out front, but it was like $1,800, bucks, something like that. Went too high at the auction, couldn't buy it. So I waited a week after the auction. I went back to the guy, saw the door was still there. I said, hey, look. I said, you didn't sell that door at the, at the sale thing that you had, auction thing, as you said? I said, well, what would it take to get that door? He said, what's it for? I said, it's for a church. He said, well, tell you what. He said, are you guys a nonprofit, 501c3? I said, yeah. He said, tell you what, I'll make you a deal. He said, if you'll take all of the windows that we didn't sell and all of the doors that we didn't sell, he said, I don't care what you do with them. Give me a tax write-off for them. They're all yours, and I'll deliver them. And I said, well, let me get on the phone and call the board members and see if this is okay. I said, yes, we'll do it. Sure. <laughs> I said, yeah. They dropped off all these things. Um, put the screen up for a second. I want to show you this. Uh, it, no, 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 no. no. All you got to do is hit the, hit the, there's a button on the side, guys. Just roll the screen all the way. No, no, you can leave all that stuff up. Just take the button, screen up. I'm really messing you guys up back there. Yeah, okay, no, no, no. See that white button on the side? Yeah, looks like a switch. There we go. All right. I got to show you this. All right. Eh, stop there. Okay, stop there. It's a switch. Uh, we got these windows, these six right here, and we always wanted to kind of do a cross thing up in the front of it. So we were going to do it with just those six windows. There is a steel beam that runs across right here. There's a steel beam that runs across right here. In that pile of windows were these two little windows right here. Had they been an inch bigger, they wouldn't have fit. Um, you call it luck, we call it a God thing. Right? Uh, put it down. Thanks, guys. Please. I'm getting better, I know. Uh, parking lot, we didn't have a parking lot. Just so happened they were tearing up this whole road. All these things turned into be fiascos, by the way, in a small community, but that's a whole other story. Uh, anyway, uh, basically they were saying, they were running all the way down the road, and they said, look, if, 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 if you're on the road, we'll give it to you. <laughs> and I said, hey, we got a whole parking lot we can do. Uh, we got a bunch of guys up here with tractors. Uh, I don't know how many loads of asphalt are out there. At some, at, there's some spots out there that's 18 inches deep, Right? Because why, why use dirt? We got free asphalt. And we just kept, as fat, in fact, with, they could actually get to their, their spot faster by dumping it here than they could driving it to where they were going to go. And, we, and, and as, as they kept dumping it, and we kept put, pour, just kept going with it, the whole thing. I, I don't know what that parking lot would cost us. If, it's, if we had to do it 18 inches thick, a really expensive parking lot. But, uh, again, we watched God do it. Uh, we watched God do it. The carpet that's in this building. Uh, at the time, this was a high-end commercial carpet. It was running about $30 a square yard. Um, we got it for five fifty dollars a square yard, laid it ourselves. Um, and the reason we did it is because it, it comes up, so when we get a warm spot, you guys spill stuff on it. Oh, and here's how we chose the carpet color, by the way, because that can be a big deal in church, because we got different samples. We would dump grape juice in one corner. We'd dump coffee in the other. Uh, we would dump... Uh, tea in the other corner of it. 
We would let it dry and, and try to figure out which one cleaned up the easiest that you couldn't tell. That's how we chose the carpet color. Uh, it's, by doing these tiles, what that means is when a spot gets worn, we can literally pull up the square, throw it in the middle in the pew thing, and put it back, and, and it all lasts longer, and, and we get more use out of it. Again, it, it was a God thing. Uh, you got a picture? I think we got a thing of guys throwing down carpet, do we? Yeah, there we are. Um, Lael, getting bigger uh, as we go through it all. But uh, it's, and, and that's how we did it. Uh, what do you got next? What do you got next? Okay, no. Okay, go to black screen, and I'll tell you about that story in a minute. Um, all the way along, we watched God do incredible things here. Um, at Throughout it all, we had a couple of strong things that we felt very strongly about. Um, one of them was money. Uh, one of the key things when the church started is they really resented the idea that churches kept asking for money. So it was kind of a core value for us that money not become the issue and the focus here. If we were going to ask you to live and trust God, then we needed to live and trust God as a church. And so that's what we decided. Another thing that was very strong for us was missions. I had watched churches in the past go through building programs and, and, and basically, in some cases, actually cut missions budgets in order to pay for a building. And I said, we won't do that. And so every dime that came in, we put into the general fund, and anything that goes into our general fund, 10% comes off of it to missions. So if somebody gave us a check, for $1,000, $100 of it went to missions. And 900 of it went to the building. We just decided we're not going to build it on the backs of our missionaries, and that was a strong thing. Missions has always been pretty important to us. Um, our kids were pretty important to us. Fellowship was pretty important to us. Um, we learned some of those lessons in building it together. After the church got going... Um, we continue to watch God, and you know, again, nothing happened. I mean, what Rod and Teresa, I know when they got married, uh, there was, was the first wedding in this church, and we didn't have carpet, and that was a big issue. It was like, oh, well, let's try to get carpet before they got married, and, and I know Rod and Teresa sat down and said, no, we want it like this, and you got to understand, for the first couple of years until we had carpet, when you came to church, there are tire tracks <laughs> out here, you know. On this, we cleaned up the best good, but we tire tracks. So when they got married, it was like tire tracks and a blank stage and all that. And they said, you know what? To us, this represents our marriage. It's a work in progress. We need all the fancy stuff. And so we watched God take care of it that way. Um, once the thing got going, we would try to respond. Again, missions were always a big issue to us. Aaron and Lori were in Papua New Guinea. I had had Aaron and Lori... At Aaron and youth group and Lori in, in school, so I'm very familiar with their ministry. They had some needs there. They needed to get some stuff built. And I said, you know what? I got a group of people. I said, we, we ain't going to preach and we ain't going to teach, but you can't give us something we can't build. And I said, these are farmers. I said, the one thing I've learned about farmers is this. Give them duct tape and bailing wire, and they can do amazing things. And we saw that. Um, on point of our mission trip, I watched Gail build bearings, wheel bearings for a trailer out of PVC pipe. And I'm convinced, you know, we can do anything. Uh, first group, we took off. Basically, we went to church, said, here's the need. We needed to take off two weeks of work. Come up with, I think it was $2,000, $2,500, something like that. We would help. 
If you can't get it, but you can go, we will do what we can. We didn't have the money, but we watched people in the church step up to the plate and say, hey, look, I'll give and I'll do this. And, and, and we had some people could pay their way and some people couldn't. But we took our first trip to Papua New Guinea. Uh, all of us look skinnier now then than we do now. Uh, then uh, about three years later, it was 2004, 2007, uh, they took a second trip. Now, Chuck is missing from this picture uh, because Chuck is on a boat on the way over already. But uh, Chuck was in, and that was a whole nother story. Anyway, this, this was a second trip. We found out that when they, that in 2007, we found out that the island missionaries will all come together once a year for a conference. It's the only time they ever got together. But what they do is they do all the work for the conference. They do all the cooking. They had to do everything. And we presented to the idea of New Tribe. We said, what happens if, if a group came over and did all that so you guys could actually just rest and fellowship? And they said, that'd be phenomenal. i never done it before. I said, we'll give it a shot. So in 2007, we went over and kind of helped them do that for the first time. Um, I found out, didn't know this until recently, but since 2007 when we went over, they have done that now every year with different groups that go over and do that because they've realized what a blessing it is to help the missionaries. And we got to be a part of that. Um, in uh, 2009, maybe, something like that, um, the, uh, we ended up, there was a group that backed out of a Harmons trip to help them in Harmons, Jamaica. Uh, we, knew of the group, group, we knew of the group through MAG and uh, McKinsey. McKinsey had been on a number of trips, so had MAG. We went up, we went on this trip, um, found out. So I literally, I stood up one Sunday and I said, this is about, I don't know, two months, month and a half, so before the trip. I said, look, they've had a group backed out. We have an opportunity to go. Anybody that could go could take off a week. Let me know. Um, all these people went, and we watched God use every one of us. When I look at this church, one of the things that's unique about it is roughly, now again, the numbers keep changing, but roughly a third of all of our congregation um, has been on a foreign mission field. And that's, that's, that's pretty exciting to me. Um, so we do. We have a burden for, for missions with it. Um, that's how we've seen God work. Um, all right, go to black slide. That way we don't keep looking at ourselves. And think of the way we were. Uh, going on. How we've seen God work recently. Um, Jim Beam and I had talked for years about, we have three acres of property here. Um, but because of what's been happening and more and more people coming, we realized that down the line we might have to do something else. And so Jim Beam and I had talked for years about getting more property. Jim owned the property around here. And he had talked to me about the idea of selling it to us when it came out of CRP. Uh, Jim's health deteriorated. We kind of ended that discussion, and, and I just didn't feel comfortable talking to him anymore about it. Um, but we had had that kind of understanding. I didn't know if he had said anything to his family or not. Um, and I hadn't said anything to his family. Last year, was it last year? Two years ago. Two years ago, his family called me up and said, hey, look, Dad talked to us about, Dad talked to Jesse in particular, called me up and said, look, Dad talked to me about wanting to make sure the church got some property. And I didn't know he had even said anything. And he said, we as a family would really like to work that out before Dad passes away. So we got with some attorneys and surveyors and all that kind of thing, and so we added another three acres or so and kind of squared off the property. So now we own this hill here for a ways and out a little ways that way to that driveway. 
Um, and again, God's timing in all of it. Um, I say all of that to say this. One of the things that we've seen over and over again is we've watched God work. We've watched God put his fingerprints all over this place. And the fact that you're here, you're part of that as well. Um, one of the things that we've learned in this journey, I've been here now since 1992. So actually, um, I, in June, will start my 22nd year here. That's that In pastor years, that's like 100 uh, most guys don't make it past six or seven in a church. Uh, so, you know, and, and I love it. I, I love what I see God doing. I love being a part of it. My family has as well. Um, here's what we've learned. What we've done in this journey is we've kind of let God lead, and we've tried to make sure we're not in front of him or behind him. We're trying to make sure that we kind of walk side by side with him in what he wants us to do. Um, sometimes that's happened real quickly like the Jamaica trip or the steeple. Sometimes it's, it's taken time, like the carpet. Uh, in this ministry, one of the things, when we can, we try to move slowly and cautiously. Um, but sometimes, like in Jamaica, we know God's in it. We, we, we step forward and let God take care of it and provide. One of the things that has happened in this church that we've worked really hard in is building consensus. One of the things that we have here is a unique unity. Um, People may not agree, but they'll agree to disagree. And that's okay. We like that. Um, I don't want a bunch of people who just agree. That makes me nervous. Um, I want people who can think for themselves, who can say, hey, what about this? What about that? Um, one thing that we do, though, is we work really hard to build consensus. So anytime we try to do something large or go forward as a church, you need to know, for us, it's really important everybody's on board. And if it takes a little longer to get everybody on board, we're okay with that. We're okay with that. 